you can feel yourself getting stupider, but you just can't stop. <laughs> That's how I feel. I'm like, ah, oh, I just, I'm done. Like, I can't stop. And Welcome to another episode. And if you're interested in what Joe was talking about, or you're interested to learn more about INTJs and FE and dating, story how he met his wife, uh, TikToks and meaningful content, or sensors and the MBTI, I guess in this episode, you're going to find a lot of interesting conversations. So... I guess let's get into it. Welcome everyone to another episode and now I'm here with Joe. So just like with all of the guests, I let you introduce yourself, Joe. So go ahead. Yeah. Oh man. Um, intro. I have a YouTube channel called Ghost of Young. Um, casually was in, in the MBTI space, just kind of lurking, um, you know, classic 16 personalities, got into Frank James and then I got more serious. I was like, I can do this MBTI stuff. I can... I can start putting out valuable content and um, that's what I try to do. I try to keep, I try to avoid the topics that everyone's talking about. So I do like really clickbait titles and just random stuff regarding the INTJ. So I'm trying to make my little niche within this niche um, regarding like the INTJ's viewpoint. And um, I, I know you probably um, are trying to do the same thing as well with the, like the unique perspective of the INTJ and then fill in whatever topic um, from our point of view. So that's kind of what I do. Yeah, uh, really nice. I also seen, well, what I do is when I'm looking at someone uh, at their channel, I go and uh, watch what are their top viewed videos. <laughs> and your two out of the three top, top view videos are with your wife talking mm -hmm. about topics. So for those who don't know, you have a wife, she's ISTJ. And I guess like, I guess I should come up with some kind of question. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, I can I can talk about it a little bit. I mean, it we didn't know that was our type when we got married, um, and then retroactively learning about it, I think it's the best pairing just to have like dominant SI and then my dominant NI like being both our our strongest and weakest traits in each other, really balancing each other out. Um, it is frustrating sometimes, but. I do think that the INTJ, and you could probably um, agree with this, is we need a, a level of grounding and or reminders. Um, I think we tend to make a lot of mistakes that we shouldn't repeat, or we tend to like, you know, just do a lot of negative health, you know, imbibe. We had the SI there to remind you like, hey, Remember the last time you did this? Remember the last mistake you made? Like, remember what works and what doesn't. Do you agree with that or, you know, with having SI as a grounding force? I guess that I don't really care about it and I kind of neglect it. And I think that the person who's pushing this most on me is my mother. It's like taking care or trying to make me care more about the SI. So that is why I guess I care a lot of about health, my diet, and these kind of things, not because I would find it myself like very interesting or passionate about, but because I was like forced down by my mother to actually care about these things. And once I look back and reflect on the thing, I understand that this is actually kind of good for the long term to care about these things and not completely uh, kind of destroy yourself from the <laughs> health kind of perspective, because I guess uh, that will not really help you. Uh, with any other efforts, for example, intellectual ones, if you cannot really um, work well and feel bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the, that's the funniest part about it is like, um, 
you and I both, and I just know just because you're an INTJ, like we really, we love intellectual pursuits. Um, and I think we like to challenge ourselves with like really difficult intellectual pursuits. But if you're, if you have a crappy diet, you're not sleeping, you're not working out, you really can't fully jump into those sort of things. Like you just, you end up putting it off. You do a half-assed workout. You end up not reading as much or studying as much. So like you really have to take care of yourself in order to fully utilize like the intellectual brain power. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. So when it comes to this, is your wife like trying to help you grow in these kind of areas or is she more like trying to support you and take care of the stuff so that you don't have to? It's definitely the first part. It's not like definitely not babying me at all. Like basically just in encouraging. And then when the encouragement, like when it, it's the third or fourth reminder, sort of like, like harsh, not harsh, but just like, all right, dude, like you remember how this worked out last time? Like, please get, get it together. And, and like, I, I am sometimes good with negative feedback. I don't really love positive feedback. I'm, I, I self-talk to myself negatively. So when other people do it, I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to get it together. I don't know. Do you, are you a positive, do you like positive reinforcement or do you like talk to you of negative self-talk? I guess for me, it's better the negative one. If I receive negative kind of feedback, because it's basically outside perspectives on some of the mistakes or faults that I'm doing. And mm -hmm. because I yeah. may be blind to this, then it's basically a feedback that I can just take action upon and improve. Whereas when it comes to the positive one, it's more like, okay, like you're praising me for something that I'm already doing. So I guess it's not really helping me in any kind of way to improve. It's just making me feel better. And I guess mm -hmm. that that is not as valuable as the negative one. Yeah, I think I, I would bet that most INTJs feel that way about like, yeah, thank you for, like, I, like we're, we're pretty self-aware when we're doing a good job. So if you say, good job, Marty, and it's like, I know, I know I'm doing good, but what, what did I miss? What could I do better on? I think that's like always a life, lifelong like goal is what, where can we improve and get better? So the like overly positive talk is like, it doesn't help us. Uh, and do you self-talk out loud to yourself? Do you ever go like idiot, like stupid? I do that all the time. I'm not really sure if I would use these kind of things, but I guess that I have these kind of realizations, some kind of situations where I know that, okay, so I did a really big mistake or this really sucks. And mm -hmm. in that kind of situations, I kind of separate myself from like me and try to look at it from the outside perspective. Like, okay, like when you did this mistake, you kind of suck, but Mm -hmm. I do not want like the feelings and negative kind of thoughts about me having any kind of impact on this. So I kind of do this kind of separation that I, okay, this was bad, but I try to look at it only from the kind of uh, thinking kind of perspective and not the feeling mm -hmm. one. So I never go like thinking myself of how I'm bad and these kind of things and get into this kind of spiral of negative uh, self-talk. Yeah. Do you think that you have a, a, healthier than average ego about yourself oh by ego you mean like whether i feel superior to other people yeah either uh, you could use that that could be the question or just like you have more like self you have self-confidence like you know that you're like i know that i'm i know what i'm good at i know what i'm bad at so like that's i'm i'm confident like i definitely know 
when I'm good at something that I'm good at it and therefore I do not try to play it like like oh I don't know anything about it if I know that I'm good then I'm confident mm -hmm. in that thing but if I if there are areas where I know that I completely suck I do not try to pretend that I'm good at those I rather accept yeah. that okay I kind of suck in these kind of things so what would you say about this you um yeah, I'm. I'm. I used to be when I was younger. That second part where you were like, "Oh, I can do it." I, I'm confident in myself that I'll just be able to pick it up. But I actually am. I like to clear my conscience on certain things and and either hire somebody or just admit I don't know the know it or that I have no idea what I'm doing here. It just it just is a relief to just be able to like I know what I'm good at. It's these things. I know I'm good at it, and I will I will advocate for myself there, but on other parts, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be good at everything. And I think that was actually where type helped me in my life where I was able to just be like, you know what, I'm not going to be this, this thing. It's a, I've idealized this career, but my skills are here and let's just go that way. We can't be good at everything. And I think, um, that's part of the reason people don't like to embrace type is it's going to tell you where your limit limitations are and we're always told that um you can do whatever you want no you actually can't you can do very few things really well agree what do we or or not i think that this is something that i was considering especially when it comes to growth and development like even when you find your type like should you then focus on building up your strengths or go and look at the weaknesses because one of the biggest weakness for INTJs is for example the FE and they were mm -hmm. blind to it and don't really understand it so would you actually recommend trying to develop this one or just be okay with it that you're not good at it and focus on your strengths that's such a good question because I feel like there's been so there's been so much talk when I say so much talk I mean since I've been in the community seen articles and videos and i've heard i think the best thing is managing it like you directly focusing on it could help but being aware of it is like the first step but i don't know if we can really develop it super well like the way that i've directly been able to develop better fe is to almost mimic pleasantries in things like email so you send me an email i would just my natural, the way that I did respond to you has zero FE. It was just like, sure, I'd be down. But a true FE user would say like, Marty, thank you so much for the email. It's so nice of you to think about me. Um, I would love to chat. Um, best wishes, Joe. See that I could, I, I know that I could do it, but I've, uh, now that I know type, I've purposely, I can put it aside or bring it to the forefront as needed, but I wouldn't say that I, I've developed it. I just am aware of when I'm not using it. So would you try to use it more like uh, specifically based on who you're talking to? So when yes. you know that this kind of person doesn't really care about it, so you will forget it at, uh, completely. But if it's someone who cares about it a lot, you will try to put additional effort in order to use it. That's the ideal world. If I can remember the person that I'm talking to, like, oh yeah, that's an ENFJ. We really need to, like, I need to, I need to come like hard with this sort of like lather on the FE. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, but like, I mean, you're, you're actually pretty good at it. I mean, I, I saw that you have a very, very eloquent, good email. I was like, wow, this is very well thought out. Um, I actually do the same thing when I'm approaching somebody that I want to interview is I actually really 
try to think of the functions as I'm typing, like, okay, this is what I need to use here and lay it out in bullet points in case they're an SJ user, like all these, all these sort of things. So it's just so powerful to know type. And I guess this kind of leads to the question, isn't this manipulative when you're basically trying to manipulate or try to play by the benefits or what you think mm -hmm. the person would like to hear? Yeah, I'm sure there's a better word for it, but, or there's a, like a nicer word for it, but I think I would try to transform that and say, I'm just trying to get buy-in. I'm trying to get like rapport. I think some people have called it rapport. It's like not manipulative, but rapport building. Um, that's what like I like in these interviews. I always feel like I end up interviewing the person because I just like to, I don't, I like to, you know, be, I like to harmonize with the other person. I like to not just have the questions come my way, but also like it's your channel too. And I'm interested in what you have to say about things. So um, I try to do some FE and I think it, it unlocks a lot of, I don't know what it unlocks. It unlocks like people in, are, I want to use the word endear. You endear yourself to them more. When you invite me on and then I start talking to you, it's like, that's great. Because most people just like wait for the questions to come and answer. I want to make it more dynamic. Sure. So is there anything that you would really like to ask me? Anything that you want? Yeah, I was thinking about this. Um, like, I, I, I don't want to say politics because I, that's just something that INTJ should stay away from in a because it's very, I think all our politics are anti-FE, like we take all FE policies and throw them away, like on in it on purpose. But I guess like, you know, if you were the monarch, you were a king, you know, what are, what, what are some policies? I always like to like test out the INGA, what, what they think about, you know, what, what are your, I guess, what are your top five, um, not policies you'd implement, but like um, the five most important things to you politically? I guess I would look at my values, so therefore I would start with the justice and making yeah. try to make all people kind of not equal, but bring justice. So therefore there is no kind of unfairness just because mm. of position, status or any other circumstances, but try to treat all people fairly mm -hmm. and also try to remove any kind of uh, illusions and lies and deceptions and manipulation and all of these things uh, and try to bring the kind of awareness of the people more aligned with the truth and i guess uh, one way of actually doing this is uh, kind of limiting or restricting privacy in a way because the way I, of how i look at privacy is that it is the acceptance of um, doing things outside of the public or keeping things hidden from the outside world. And uh, there was also one movie, I, I think Circle, uh, which had this kind of idea or message to it, that when people are thinking that nobody's looking at them, they will be uh, more willing to do things that they wouldn't do if people saw them. Yeah. And I think that this comes to the realization that even if other people do not see you, it still has like the same consequences on the world like if i oh, yeah. do something behind my back like just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it, it didn't it didn't happen so right. if i 
I have some object and I open it behind my back, like you don't know if I open it or not, but the thing is that the object is still open. So I mm -hmm. guess uh, this kind of realization that just because other people don't see it, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen and it, that it, it, it doesn't have real consequences on yeah. the world. I love that the transparency thing. I think that's something um, you and I are super aligned with. There's a quote called like, um, the truth at all costs, the truth at all costs lowers all other costs. And that's a really tough thing for like politics to understand, which is like, well, the public shouldn't know certain things. They're not going to understand it or they'll revolt if they knew that we were doing it. I think that um, the transparency across the board is actually better, even though it's very uncomfortable knowing how things actually operate and, you know, things are not, you know, done in a way that are like very principled. But um, I do think that's an INTJ ideal that we have that will sadly not be fulfilled politically. Yeah, I guess uh, I definitely agree with you on all of the things. Mm -hmm. And hmm. what so, about education? Like, what, what do you think? What do you think? Um, what do you think is a subject that nobody's talking about, but we, we should be talking about? I'm not really sure uh, what are the things people are not talking about because I don't really go around, look at the trends and what all <laughs> other people are talking on. I'm mostly focusing on my kind of stuff, but okay. from the kind of overview of what I have about the world is that um, the world is focusing a lot on some kind of superficial things. So even right now, social media and TikToks, uh, it's super popular. Yeah. People are spending so much time on it. And when I tried to look many times, even on the best TikToks, like I didn't really see any kind of deeper meaning or <laughs> any value in it. And I couldn't understand it. It was more like I still got hooked on it because of right. the way of how it um, functions and affects your brain. But it's kind of very... Uh, interesting to watch and you kind of get hooked but always after i stopped and i reflected back on the experience i was like this was the complete waste of my time and i don't want to do it again but somehow when i get exposed to it again i still kind of get hooked in it yeah so that that is why i try to limit it and not get hooked in it and don't yeah. give any opportunity for it uh, because always the reflection was like this was a waste of time yeah, it's so bad. It's so bad. I don't go on TikTok, but I, I'll end up on YouTube and the people repost their TikToks on YouTube. So what's the difference? But the you can feel yourself getting stupider, but you just can't stop. <laughs> That's how I feel. I'm like, ah, oh, I just I'm done. Like I can't stop. And but then I, I have a lot of regret. I'm like, I could have read 50 pages of a book that I've been really wanting to get to. And I've now I've wasted my time. It's just, oh, and they know it too. Like the, the manipulators know that like even the strongest willed person will get, will get hooked. So it wouldn't be a good idea to actually try to create this kind of content on these platforms, but make it more meaningful in a way that maybe people don't even realize it, but you will hide the meaning in it. So even though they watch it like something superficial, you're just hiding the kind of things in it to at mm. least unconsciously make them make the experience some kind of meaningful even if they don't realize it at the moment like so so with subliminal unconscious i mean like could you get them addicted to really good life-changing personal development content is how i would i could i don't know 
it's too it's too introspective and it requires you to like pause the video and be like huh am i like the tiktok's not made for that sort of like stopping and thinking it's like duh. like just like people falling down people dancing like sports videos which i get hooked on so it's a good endeavor i'm not gonna do it you can <laughs> Because the thing is that not try to make them think, but do the thinking for them and just kind of do it in this kind of way. Because there's one challenge that I saw, you know, there are these kind of challenges that do something and all people do it. And one guy came up with a challenge that like a clean up or some kind of a place that has been filled up with trash. So you do one picture or clip before it, and then you just do snap where it's all um, basically cleaned up. And this was something that if you look at it from the perspective of a challenge, like it's the still same thing. You don't have to think about it. You are just supplied what you have to do and how you have to do it and just go and do it. But the way of how it was created, it has some kind of meaning and something beneficial to the whole world. So I guess this could be some kind of way of looking yes. at it. Yeah, you're on this like game gamification of in the same way they do learning. It's like we can still make TikTok fun, but actually like help people so cleaning would be one like let's like like do your homework <laughs> i don't know i mean like that would never work but like i i get what you're saying so there might be like some some way to salvage the terribleness of tiktok with like things that actually help your your life in the immediate like realm one thing that kind of interests interests me about you is that because your wife is istj you don't really have a lot of FE in your kind of relationship. So um, is it a problem for you too when neither of you has FE as a strong in your kind of relationship? So cannot actually uh, do these kind of FE things for the other one and help each other out? Great. That's a super great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked that, but I, I have a really good answer or an answer that I've thought about before is like, because we're aware of our type and then when i see her not using fe it almost goes like whoa that's what it looks like when you're not using fe holy crap that i gotta help you so like it's almost like when every when normally like you're the person to freak out to say and then when everyone's freaking out all of a sudden you're the calm person and it's like that's weird because usually you're the one freaking out but now you got to be the bigger person so in the same way that same analogy works for when you see really bad fe being used or she sees it on me she's like hold on like just send a better text be nicer like you know don't send that email or you know that sort of thing so in a way it helps because it's so bad that we have to kind of step in and help okay so you would basically say that you don't really have to be unconsciously good at the function but with conscious effort and learning and making it more aware you actually can notice this kind of consciously and tell the other person yeah and, and i don't that's exactly right i don't know like say she was an esfj or enfj that had f that was an fe dominant type would like would I get better because I'm around it, like through osmosis, just be so good at it because I see it all the time? Or would I be annoyed at it because it's like, oh my gosh, like just stop. Like, just tell me what you think about this thing without like, you know, don't agree with me on everything. And that's one thing about not having FE that I love about her is that pretty much there's never like a, a an initial agreement on something. We'll always go back and forth until we come to a conclusion because there's no desire to 
be agreeable. <laughs> Which never, it doesn't only get us in a fight. There's never been fights. It's just like, hey, we should go here first. It's like, well, why don't we go here first? I'm like, ah, because this is better. And then, like, oh, yeah, you're right. But there's always like a back and forth. So that I think not having Effie is so good in our relationship. Okay, uh, that was an interesting thing that I will think about because I guess even when I started this YouTube and this kind of thing, like I still feel like I really need to engage in the FE because I'm kind of creating content and helping other people. And that is why I really need to care about them. But at the same time, I don't really want to do this kind of superficial kind of thing that I will say I care about you when even in fact I don't. Uh, so I guess this has been kind of the pull between me, between uh, doing it, not doing it, uh, in what way engaging in it and in which way I don't. Yeah. It's interesting that like I have met so many INTJ coaches in the professional world, therapists, psycho, like you know, psychoanalytical people, and they all do one-on-one -on -one coaching. And it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense because INTJs aren't good at FE. So why are they doing this one-on-one, -on -one, you know, marriage counseling? And it's like, because that's very people oriented. You you have to quote care about their problem to solve it. And I don't think that you actually do. And like, you could probably agree. Like I don't have to care about your upbringing or the trauma that you've gone through in your marriage or your your life or your career. It's sort of like a puzzle that can be fixed, so you can honestly stay objective still. But I but you you have all this knowledge, and you're almost compelled to tell people. It's like when you discover something, like well, I gotta I gotta use this now. But it's not from an altruistic, like, I'm trying to save the world. Do you feel that? So basically, not express that you really care and not try to fake anything, but just try to look at it from the perspective of that you see a problem, you want to fix it, and you will not try to be very emotional about it or caring and make the other people feel good, but you just go and try to fix the problem and mm -hmm. present it to them uh, of the solution that you figured out. And then if they happen to be like, wow, Joe, like, Joe you're so like, I was so great. And like, I, if they lather like, praise on you and you're like, oh, that's a nice benefit. That's a nice like ancillary benefit of the problem being solved is people like you, they congratulate you, they recommend you, but that's secondary. While whereas other types go there first, like they want to be recognized as I'm helpful. People need me. They praise me after I do it. Oh, and then then, then solutions on the other side of that. I want solution first and then praise. That's why I think when INTJs like create stuff, they're not looking at the like money aspect first. They're like, what's what's cool? What can we solve? What's interesting? What's unique? What's like something no one's thinking about? And then, oh yeah, then if money comes, you know, if I get some money from it, that's cool too. I definitely agree with you on this. Like even when at the job, like all my bosses were announcing to me that they're going to raise my uh, salary. I was like, okay. So that, that was everything. It, it was like not making any kind of significant change or impact on me. It was like, okay, that seems fair based on this kind of fact. So yeah. It's it's nothing super great, but uh, I guess it's kind of normal. Just and mm -hmm. it's also not super motivating. I guess I get much more excited when I can actually 
uh, gain more kind of responsibility or work on something that really interests me rather than if I get compensated for it. Yeah. I just, it, I feel bad for, I, I even think like the ENTJ or ESTJ, I feel bad because I think that they're so naturally inclined to have like a money motivated mindset or like a status seeking, um, title seeking lifestyle that they end up not creating as much cool stuff because they're like, well, I want to make the most amount of money. And however I do that, I don't care. They're, the FI is really low. So they're just like, whatever, it never gets me the most money is cool. I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't, to me, that's depressing because then you can't do a lot of cool stuff. You're not going to create a lot of content because like sometimes content doesn't, turns out to be crap <laughs> and doesn't make you any money. <laughs> no one, no one watches it. No one comments. Like for them, that'd be like, for other types, it'd be like, oh, no, it's didn't work out, didn't make me any money, I'm not going to do it. I think you and I are much more willing to like create something with no, like anticipating zero money from it or accolades. And if we get it, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But isn't this kind of good that people are focused on different kinds of things? Because maybe just for the sake of ENTJs being so focused on producing and actually getting results, then we, for example, have more space to be more creative because there are mm -hmm. other people who are focusing on more of the production and making things work. Uh, so I guess, isn't it good if there are differences between people and each person is engaging in what they can do the best? Absolutely. Yeah. And I know that that's hundred percent true. I know that's not really what I meant to say is like, we should all be like INTJs and not care about money. Obviously we need society to function. So we need SJs to keep things going and main maintain society. We can't just have all NTs running the running everything um so that that's just my ideal world how everyone should be like me <laughs> i guess this also comes down to the projection of your own values or thinking or ways of doing things onto others and i guess that is where basically mbti can open your eyes quite a bit uh, because it literally tells you like there are differences between people and just because other people annoy you, it doesn't, they, it is not that they have intention to annoy you, to annoy you. It's just their preferred kind of way in the same way of how your preferred way can be annoying to others. It doesn't mean that you're doing it on purpose to them. So raising the level of awareness can mm -hmm. basically benefit in this kind of being more understanding towards others. It's like the number, it's like the number one thing I always tell people if I do like a presentation, it's like, you'll gain even like the hardest type, like the, you know, INTJ or ENTJ will, will see other types where they're at, be more empathetic, um, understand that they're probably not trying to annoy you by the way they are. They're, they're honestly not trying to do that. Um, that's just how they are. So the, the hardest part about type is that once you learn it and you learn other people's type, the really like the burden is on you now because you can't force people to learn about type or to change the way you have to like, you have to adapt. Now that I know this person's a, you know, an INFP, well, I need to change my approach. I'm not going to tell them, Hey, you're an, I know that you're an INFP. So you need to like, you know, get it together and, you know, get out of bed and start doing stuff. That's not, that's hard for people though. Cause it's like, oh, shoot, now I know all this. Now I know all this. It's a burden now, that knowledge.
but I guess that it kind of maybe uh, can be something that you can feel like, okay, so you have went on to research about these things, you have gained awareness, and even though now it is burden for you, actually being the one who needs to adapt, in fact, you have the possibility or the choice to do so in order to get to better result, because there are people who don't know about this stuff and constantly engage in the same kind of things over and over again and do not even yeah. know what is wrong. Yeah. Uh, so I guess you're not like uh, forced to always change your way and adapt to the other person, but you have the choice. And because you know that if you actually want to get some kind of interaction with this person, uh, it has to be you who has to change because you have the awareness and you are in yeah. the position to do so. But on the other side, you, you do not have to. Sometimes you can just say, okay, so I don't want to work with this person. And if you have the opportunity, you just uh, stop contact with them and mm -hmm. uh, like uh, stop it right away. So even though it may seem like a burden, it's also kind of a blessing in a way where yes. you can uh, literally prevent yourself from engaging from with people who you know that would uh, be very kind of a bad kind of relationship and you yes. can stop it right away or you can see the path forward that okay mm -hmm. uh, maybe from the start i will need to basically adjust to their kind of style but then with me interacting with them over time they may actually learn more about these things even though maybe not from the theoretical but from the practice and engaging with me yes. they will kind of learn some kind of things of uh that's the differences brilliant. Yep, that's brilliant. Um, let me ask you this, uh, because this is something that, this is my theory on why people won't learn type, not because they don't believe in it or they think it's astrology or they think it's something that's pseudoscience. It's because once you learn type, there's no excuses anymore for yourself. You, once you've like, you know, peeked behind the curtain, you can't unsee what you've seen. And thus, if that they are, if that is revealed to them, they'll have to confront things they're not good at. And that is ego shattering for people. Do you think that's one reason why people don't embrace personality tools and assessments because they have to face themselves? I'm not really sure if this would be the only way because I can also see some people who do these kind of things just so that they can get this kind of uh, excuse that, oh, I'm this kind of type, so therefore I don't have to do this and yeah. using it as an excuse. So I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, that is also a way of how it can be used. Uh, but when it comes to learning about something uh, and therefore having to take responsibility once you learned it, I guess this isn't only about time, but about anything else. Uh, and I guess it kind of depends to the person. And maybe this is connected to the whole kind of living with the truth or the illusion. Because if you live in the illusion, you basically hmm. are do not have to take responsibility if you're still unaware uh like can you actually blame people that are stupid for being stupid um i guess that is kind of questionable what, what would you say about this <laughs> can you bl um yeah i I, th I think the quick answer is no you can't blame them for being stupid um it's one of those like you you don't know what you don't know so you don't know that you're dumb sort of thing um but yeah i that's and then and then is it the is it the job of the educated to impart their knowledge onto the stupids <laughs> i guess the best way would be to 
give the person a choice if they want to remain stupid or if they want to learn about this because just as the same way um you're not entitled to basically make other people grow and learn about things if they mm -hmm. choose not to do so um, because maybe they have different kind of priorities for their life maybe they just want to enjoy uh, mm -hmm. what they are doing right now and they mm -hmm. don't really care about uh, becoming the best version of themselves or doing any other kind of more significant kind of things so i guess this is one of the things where you need to be careful even if you're very knowledgeable about something especially for mm -hmm. INTJs that even if you know about some things and how they work and uh, things like these it doesn't make you entitled to basically force this on other people and make them learn it and use it yeah. and be responsible with it 100% and and that's actually this is like where this is probably the most like INTJ arrogant statement I'll make on this is that um recently i've been kind of obsessed with like what what is the most amount of success i can achieve just to see what just to see what i can do not because i like care about it but like what if you put all your te energy and ni energy into just like making a lot of money um and within that i have said no no, no i don't want to i i i want people to be dumb because it's easier for us to get ahead i don't want to share all the secrets of the universe with people that's like that's sort of what what we're saying here is like, well, if people don't want to learn, if they don't want to, like you said, great phrase, become the best version of them, version of themselves, then let them let them just be average, and we can get ahead. That's like a, in the last year, I've been thinking about that more. Is like, you know, I talk about stuff like Bitcoin and changing monetary policy. People are like, oh, that's fake money. I'm like, fine. You think that I'll I'll be a Bitcoin billionaire? You can mess with your dollars and we'll just part ways as friends. <laughs> like that's my attitude now is I'm, it's too much effort to educate people. Let them do their thing. I'll do my thing and we'll see at the end who's, who's ahead. <laughs> but I guess wouldn't this always lead to the fact that we're still living on one planet and we're connected in some kind of ways. And there are people basically who Basically, we're all connected in some kind of ways, and therefore sure. there are people who will drag the whole society down and slow it by their own kind of irresponsibility. So therefore, yeah. having this kind of stance of, okay, so I'll care about myself, I will use this for myself, and let yeah. the others stay that way, in effect, they will still kind of drag the kind of average level and the, oh. the whole progress on the society. So therefore, even if you get ahead, like, if there are other people who are basically slowing it down and wasting resources and time and all of these kind of things, then there's only so far that you can get ahead. This is the thing that you can get ahead from the kind of average kind of line or, or the status quo. Yes. But if the status quo is still kind of low, then I yeah. guess you cannot get as high as maybe you could get if you lifted up the whole yeah. thing. That's a really, that's a really, that's like the best counter argument because it's like, you're the best in a terrible society and everyone's like really, really like, you know, poverty stricken, like uneducated and poor, but you're like the least, you're like the richest of the poor or your, your thing is if you share the knowledge and wealth and every, like the rising tide lifts all boats type thing. And then everyone on average is better. Okay. I guess that's like a philosophical difference. It's like, yeah, I think, I, I think I'm, I think I can come around to your thing more is like, 
it's more effort, it's harder, it takes more time, but if you can educate people using your, you know, your superior intellect or whatever, um, that's better for the society because you don't want to be the smartest person or like the richest person in a super poor society. I like your, yeah, I think your idea is much better than mine. Yeah, I think <laughs> the thing is that you can never help everyone. So therefore, uh, you should just be more careful with the focus and who you are focusing on and who you are trying to help. Uh, yeah. Because you will always encounter people who will not care about anything. And you it doesn't matter how much effort and time you put into uh, the interaction and there will be no change whatsoever. But in that kind of case, you shouldn't be focusing on this kind of people and focus on those who will mm -hmm. kind of use it and gain some kind of benefit because that way you both will not need to waste your resources and become frustrated in the process. Uh, and at the same time, you can still like also help others and try to bring the whole society kind of up. Yeah, and you kind of mentioned something that's um, very important for INTJs is to surround yourself. We, we tend to do this, but like, surround yourself with people that you know are on your level i think you know have the same values as you um are interested in in growing something and building something i don't know what it is but just other builders put them around you um and you'll you'll come up with something extraordinary over time um kind of goes back to the one of the first things you said is you know cutting people out or getting rid of types that you just can't they're not helping you they're not helping themselves they're not willing to listen to you um, you, you don't have the same value, you know, you're not in the same place in life. Um, I think INTJs have a small inner circle, but it's always, I think it's very strong and you need to lean on those people. I think I would clarify one of the things you said that, uh, that you should not interact with people, uh, some kind of types that you don't get along with, but mm -hmm. this, like, uh, it's not actually the types themselves but always the healthiness kind of level like the right. type kind of has some kind of tendencies that you uh, on average get more along with some kind of types with others uh, but it always comes down to the healthiness amount of level because even with the right. best kind of type that is compatible with you if, if they're kind of unhealthy it will not work anyway and even with the kind of worst one based on paper if they're yeah. healthy like it will work uh, in the end anyway yeah, and that's actually a good point. I talked to um, Linda Barron. She's like a she's like the grandmother of type. She's awesome. Um, I've read a couple of books by her. She was saying that like she said the same thing. She's like, it's not about the type. It's about there's two things that like will determine if you're gonna be able to work with someone really well. One is their ability to um, handle complexity, like just com complex, nuanced situations. Can they fathom it? And then the ability to prospect uh, perspective shift. And you've already talked about that at the beginning, which is, oh, I, I can see myself from that person's point of view. Do I look like an idiot? Do I look like, you know, I can, I can use introspection by like, put, like shifting. So all the types can do that, or they should be able to be like, what do I look like from that person? Am I being a good person? And then also like understanding nuance. And I, and I think the understanding nuance thing is hard to quantify. And I, I think nuance is more like, um, can I understand someone else's trauma or be like, oh, I understand, I, I get it. Like, that's why they are like that. Some people just don't get into the psychology of people. And I think that makes them less complex characters. I guess this is kind of a nice point uh, that 
it is definitely more intuitive people and types who get interested in this kind of psychology and uh, personalities and mm -hmm. sensors do not really um, get interested in, in as much. Some people say that it may be because uh, they just don't really care about it or that sensors are portrayed in a way that nobody actually wants to be a sensor in this kind of thing. <laughs> and even if you look at the YouTube creators, like majority of them are intuitives and there are not that many kind of sensors. And um, do you think that maybe having some kind of people who are sensors and can bring uh, like better kind of representation and teach or teach this kind of stuff in the way of how a sensor would be because they would not really do it in the same way as intuitives mm. do uh, could kind of help because for example when you are doing the kind of videos with your wife mm -hmm. uh, she's ISTJ so she's uh, a sensor and mm -hmm. she was able to basically uh, differentiate between the kind of stereotypes that are not really true and the true kind of thing. And I found it kind of valuable kind of perspective for a sensor to talk about their own experience. But in order to talk about this, they still need to have some kind of level of knowledge about the kind of theory. Uh, so what what is your kind of perspective on this kind of sensor MBTI kind of thing? I mean, for the longest time, you know, when I've talked to other people that have been in the type, type community, and I'm talking about been in the type community since like the 70s and 80s not like have been doing youtube for four years but like really studied it they've always said there's a there's a um intuitive bias even from the beginning of type with isabel myers um being an infp like her you know the the bible being created by an infp and then an infj if you believe Jung was an infj like there's obviously an intuitive bias since the inception of it so like i I don't know if it's made creators just be like, well, I, like people that are ES, like there's no, I don't know if there's any ESTJ creators out there. It would be nice. I think they'd be like, you know, a unicorn. It'd be cool to hear their perspective, but I do think there's an intuitive bias where the, the bias is just that it, I think it comes to us quicker. That concept, the concept of personality makes sense. Yeah, there's other, there's obviously all these types, duh. Enneagram, disc, strength finders, all that stuff. Astrology just comes right to us. Um, but I do think we're seeing some pretty good, like Dear Kristen's ESFP, Amy Wise and ESFP. Um, Kate from Tight Match is an ESTP. Like we have some good sensors in the community. Um, and it's good to hear their perspective on like what intuitives are like. Because we're always just telling us what sensors are. It's like 90% of the contents of what intuitives believe sensors are. Mm -hmm. So do you have any kind of uh, other question that uh, you would like to have a look at? Um, you know, I, I guess there's like more, I was looking at your channel and I'm like, I guess I'm wondering what your goal for your channel is. I'm like, what do you want to do with it? Okay. So I guess uh, one kind of reason uh, why I wanted to start a channel is uh, for growth because I've been kind of growing in many kind of areas development these kind of things are things I was interested in but yeah. there's only so much that you can go by yourself like when it comes to interaction between other people you can't mm -hmm. basically learn it by yourself you need other people to interact with so that was one of the reasons to basically get more interacting with others and uh, help to develop even these kind of interpersonal kind of skills Mm -hmm. uh, 
other thing was uh, to maybe find some more friends or even a partner and because for yeah. example uh i don't really go out that much so therefore i'm most of the time spending in my room and that is not really good way to uh, find other people <laughs> yeah uh, so one thing uh, was that maybe if i become a creator myself i may get to start collaborating with others and make some more connections this way uh, yep. or even maybe find some potential prospects uh, to uh, enter kind of uh, more serious kind of friendships or relationships um, because yeah. my experience with the dating apps was not very good also my my perspective on the dating itself uh, i don't really understand it that much or don't like it that you just yeah. go with some kind of random person on on a date and then you try to talk a little bit and it's mostly about the feelings and how you feel about it and it's like very kind of slow where you start with the experience and feelings instead of having like a, a plan that mm. first you verify like who you are and whether you see yourself in the future and uh, only then try to go into the feelings and experience and try to make some kind of uh, connection on this so i yeah yeah no i, I i'm I never really had to do the dating app stuff that, that got real popular right when I got married. So I never had to do that, but I, I, I understand that. And I think if I was offering two, two cents, my two cents on that is I've never been disappointed in going out when like, I like when I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to go out to this thing with my friend. I, I should have said no to it. I've, Every time I've gone, I've never been disappointed. And I'm always like, I should do this more. Like, what's my problem? It's that SE, like wanting to get out, like denial of SE, just being out with people or going out to a bar or like going out with friends. Um, that would be like the, the thing that we need to embrace as NI types. Because um, you just like, that's how I met my wife. Like it was like a fate type thing. Like just went out when I just really wasn't feeling it. And then I ended up meeting her and I was like, oh, wow, I should really do this more. So we're not helping ourselves as INTJs by like hiding behind, um, like being in our room or playing video games. Like I used to do all day, all day. <laughs> you started to mention the story of how you met your wife. So mm -hmm. you just met her somewhere randomly and how did it progress towards the forward it was it wasn't it was semi-random it was just a, a friend's house she was also like a, she was co-friends of someone else and she came over and i made a complete fool of myself um and then left didn't think about her and then i saw her again the next day at a random bar that i've never gone to before and that she never gone to before so i was like oh my god that's the girl that i made a fool of myself last night went over, smoothed everything over. And then literally from that, like that next day, we hung out for like weeks, every single day, like every single day after work. Um, so it was like very much like a fate type scenario where you're like, you meet somebody and the next day you see them in a random spot that you both never go. Like to me, that was like a unit, like a, a universe putting something in front of me and be like, idiot, figure it out. <laughs> like. And I did so, and then that was in 2014. So, you know, we've been together eight years. The universe, I mean, you can't quantify that. You can't be like, well, it, this makes sense because XYZ. No, I just chalk it up to like magic.
So it was more kind of random encounter that led to all these things rather than some kind of precise strategy that would lead to this kind of result in a guaranteed way, right? Yes, 100%. And you can't I deny get... those things. You're just like, okay, that's the way that the universe gives you a sign. You either choose to be like, nope, that's not a thing, or you say, yes, I'm taking it. I guess uh, I have different kind of approach to this. Like I'm trying to find some kind of strategic way of how to guarantee a kind of result with some kind of good results or outcomes mm -hmm. instead of trying to just go out and play by, by the chance and probability. Um, because I guess that seems just random. And even if I'm able to accomplish the goal that way, like it doesn't really give me any kind of experience that I could share with others of how they could basically improve their chances of accomplishing this kind of goal uh, so i guess that why i'm trying to find a way is not only so that i can get the results but maybe so i can help others also get their results in a better mm. way than just going by the chance and probability hmm. when it comes to love i feel like when you're directly you can't directly focus on it like you can like Say you want to write 10,000 words this week. Like you can directly focus on that task and do it. When it comes to like love and like stuff that's not easily, like you can't just, you know, I'm going to get a girlfriend today. You can't do it. It happens when you're like, all right, I'm going to focus on having a great time with my friends at the bar. And then what the crap, I meet somebody and I never thought this would happen because I wasn't like, it just doesn't happen that way. Like if your strategy was like, I'm going to, talk to 10 girls on this app today and then like one of those given law of like statistics will will like me and will go out i don't i don't think that's a strategy that works <laughs> i'm more of thinking about ways of how to uh, improve your chances or get in the correct correct kind of direction which would help you with the probability kind of stuff so instead mm. of just going out and um, basically trying your luck, uh, for example, one thing that I was done was trying to figure out basically what kind of type uh, would be the kind of the person that I would see myself most, most suitable by looking back at other people and basically reverse engineering what their type was and looking right. at the patterns uh, so that sure. I could actually find a way of what would be the kind of best place to look at so that I don't need to go out randomly, but have some kind of thing that is increasing basically my chances and likelihood. Yeah. And also looking for other ways of how to increase it even more. So in a way, it's not really like trying to figure out the perfect plan by which you go, uh, but looking for ways which can increase your chances and increase the probability of making it less like a probably the game okay yeah so i guess it's like you're not talking about a process by which you go out and like meet somebody or you get you develop a friendship or you collaborate with somebody it's like i think it's to me it sounds like what you're saying is like i want to narrow down the likelihood like the 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 likelihood of being around certain types that i'll like so like for me, if I was like, I would go to a bookstore. Those are my people would hang out. <laughs> I'm not going to go to a club. Those are not where my people are going to hang out. So like thus playing a stupid game, like going to the club is like, oh, that's not where I'm going to meet 
that a really cool person, I'm going to meet them at like a bookstore or a record store or like a thrift store. That's where my people will be. I don't know if that's the kind of process you're talking about, but that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I guess uh, if I should basically uh, come up with a story of what would be the best kind of way would yeah. be if the person would find me uh, through my YouTube channel as a fan right. and then me as a creator, um, because I think this is kind of really good way to give you a lot of kind of uh, heads up to get to know the other person. Yeah. Like when, whenever I look at other creators and these kind of things, I get to know a lot of things about them before we mm. even meet and interact. And therefore that way I can um, basically better filter out the people who I definitely do not see myself with and with those who I can potentially see myself. And I guess this is one of the things that I'm kind of missing with the dating kind of thing where I just go out and basically start as, as a strangers, whereas with the online space and creatures, you already get to know some of these things about other people. So there's at least some kind of foundation which yeah. you can start with. Yeah, and I, I, I totally think you could do that through, through the channel. Um, just commenters you see and like, like if they, if you click on their, if you're able to interact with them a bunch, like you'll, like I see these people all the time and I'm like, oh, I know what this person's comments going to be, be like. And, um, but you would need to, you don't really, you don't create content a lot. It seems like. And this kind I of vlogs, of I, I do vlogs uh, every single day, um, but really? I've basically, yeah, un I unlisted many of them. Oh, okay. Um, just to try to filter out the vlog kind of low quality ones from the real kind of videos uh, that you would maybe say. Uh, so the, when it comes to content, I have it a lot, but I guess maybe the quality or the value for uh, the audience isn't uh, as high. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I always like, is it quality versus quantity? I don't know. Cause I saw you have like, I think I saw you have like a playlist, I think of like, on I forgot what you call them, bloopers or something. You have a big folder of like something that I can't remember what it was called, but. I have removed videos. So there are all yeah. those videos that I've done, but uh, then removed. But instead of removing them completely, I just unlisted them and put them into playlist. If someone is interested in seeing them. Okay. I don't know, you might, there might be some, you never know, you just don't know what people will be into. That's like just the, the more videos, the more comments, the more people, I don't know. It'd be interesting to like meet someone through your YouTube channel, through YouTube, like a YouTube comment. That'd be, that'd be a real interesting story. Because that is, for example, how I met Gabriel and Nina from Russian Typology. I just mm -hmm. went on and comment on one of their videos that, hey, Gabriel, cool beard. And <laughs> since then uh, they replied and this kind of whole thing of making an interview and, and that's how I got to meet them. So uh, maybe some kind of this kind of random encounter can lead to uh, something that you don't expect. But I guess exactly. uh, first uh, thing to accomplish is to actually create opportunities for these uh, random yes. things to occur. I think I'm kind of struggling with that a lot, uh, that I don't really know what kind of content to create and uh, what to focus on. So my question for you would be like, 
how do you decide on what kind of content you do and how do you evaluate whether this is something that is actually helpful or not? Well, the second part of the question is you don't know if it's going to be helpful. You're just like, I'm going to do it because it's interesting to me and I can talk about it without a struggle. So, you know, I'm a, I do recruiting and I work in, you know, I'm a contractor for corporate America. So I take what I do every day, what I can talk about all day, corporate, you know, the types in corporate America. And then I make a video about that. So I'd say like the INTJ in the workplace and I'm doing, that's where I started. That's my most watched video or second most watched, but then I'm doing a revamp of that, which is how to survive working with X type, which is just taken all from working with all those types. So for you, it'd be like, I don't know what your, your day to day is, but if you if, say you like, say you were a gamer and you did a tweet at a Twitch stream or whatever, and you're like, what's it like playing video games with an ENTJ? You could talk about that all day and it'd be easy content. I only just take what I do every day and make that YouTube content. I add MB, uh, MBTI, I slap MBTI on top of it. So I talk about recruiting. I talk about recruiting that type. I guess it's really, yeah. I've been talking about basically my day uh, every single day in my vlogs. But one of the things that was kind of problem with that was privacy and talking about other people and sharing information about others that they actually don't really like. So I guess in a way, this was also another one of the struggles that you want to share your kind of experience, but uh, if you kind of try to uh, share all of the information, then I guess it's kind of uh, limiting or breaching or infringing the privacy of others. But then right. on the other hand, if you make it too abstract, then I guess it's it doesn't have as much value because you are just talking about abstract things rather than yeah. the concrete examples. Yeah, that's that's like my biggest critique of the abstractness of the type community. Um, because there's there's criticism of stuff like, you know, Frank James' skits. I know that Frank James knows the cognitive functions. I've seen his videos. He knows what he's doing. And that's why his videos are good, but they're broad appeal, super broad appeal. And then you have... Uh, creators that talk about like how the ESFP can use their demon NE function for better XYZ. And I'm like, that video was for nine people. <laughs> like, so there's like, do you go super niche and like very valuable to a small amount? Or do you kind of like broaden it and talk about like, you know, we can talk about the INTJ without talking about the functions and that has much broader appeal and there's much, much more value. Or we can talk about, you know, what FE is like for the INTJ, which has less broad appeal, but like some people will like leave you a, the longest comment you've ever seen about it, you know? So I struggle with like being super unique. Like what's the most, what's the video topic no one's ever talked about? And let's do that. That's my goal every time. <laughs> like, um, or it's like, what's gonna be the most typed in, which is like how to tell if you're an INTJ. There's probably like a bajillion videos made about that. Yeah. Maybe a way would be where, where you would identify yourself as some kind of type and then you would be creating content that is not MBTI related. So therefore those people who are into MBTI and on your type can actually understand what you're talking about because they can add these kind of labels to the thing while at the same time, 
those people who don't know about it will not get bothered and lost in this kind of terms that they don't really understand what they are. Okay, so what would be an example of a like what would an NVIDIA be like? Like are you are you are you saying like talking about it from the perspective of the type? Identifying like what an INTJ thinks about, you know, uh inflation. Is it like that? I think the best example would be that I did the opposite. So for example, in the day of life of an INTJ that I've done, I basically yeah. did a video about myself and my own day, and I just labeled it as an INTJ. Uh, so I guess this would be the opposite of doing it, where I created content about myself and then just put the label on top of it. And therefore, the the thing that I was talking about would be the opposite, where you basically uh, create a content uh, that is taking the concepts of the MBTI uh, into it, but you actually don't use the terms and terminology about the thing. Mm. And you will have different video where people know what what uh, your type is, and therefore they will be able to uh, link and make the connection that you are that kind of type and you're talking about this, therefore you get the perspective of INTJ on this kind of thing, but you don't tell it explicitly. I see. Yeah. No, I, I, okay, I totally get it. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, that, that would be more like broad appeal. Like that would be a, a more broad, broad-based approach, but having the unique like underlying knowledge that like this is like my INTJ uh, view and or like spice added to it, um, which will always, always be um, unique just based on the functions and the... Um, you, mix of any if you're into enneagram like your enneagram mix in there too like it will always be an interesting take no matter what the subject is okay i guess we've been talking for quite a long time so yeah do you have any kind of uh, final thoughts or message that you would like to share with the world um well first marty thank you for for having me on this was this is fun um last two weeks i've been super super busy with like you know baby stuff but I've kind of been wanting to itching to get back to the YouTube interviews, which I, I really enjoy doing. Um, gosh, I, I think I think the the last thing I'd say is what you had mentioned earlier, which is it's not about your type, it's about the development of the type. It's about like don't, you know, this all the types are awesome when they're at their healthiest. It doesn't matter if you're an INTJ or ESFJ or whatever you are, but um I would say manage what your weaknesses are. Don't try to like directly work on them like don't try to do shadow work and you know really get yourself messed up um just embrace your what you're good at and then try to try to just be more self-aware of the the negatives and that'll be a good place to start that's like that's the the starting block for development um and then i think for intjs um i said this in in an intj panel it's um ni is great everyone wants ni but it doesn't mean anything unless you use some TE and do something about it. So um, for all the young INTJs, it doesn't matter if, you know, you're super smart unless you apply it for the greater like humanity or good. So do something about it. Okay, so uh, that was a great closing message. And I guess more people will be able to find you on your channel, Ghost of Young. Mm -hmm. I will link that uh, also there. And yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and I'll post it's... this on the community page as well so people can 
find you because I know you don't have that many subscribers, but we can we'll get you some more. <laughs> so thanks a lot, and I guess we can wait. That's the ending. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> thanks, Marty. To learn more about the show and his content, make sure to visit his channel, Ghost of Yank. Let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna think. I'm gonna stew on what um, we could possibly do on my channel or something. Um... Thank you.